I'm good anytime. Okay. Hello. I, I, I love how you just switched from sleepy, crusty Matt to, like, energetic Matt in a flash. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing it for years. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Dad and Sons podcast. Hope you're having a, a good week today. We have a lovely podcast of uh, very positive news stories, right? Actually, it's funny. I have a light one and then the heavy one everyone's going to be talking about on their, their podcast this week. But both of them... Ooh, this might be one of those episodes where we get into a bad argument. But both of them are going to be fun, at least, to talk about. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, that might have sounded way worse without the associated, like, webcam body language. Sigh. I apologize to our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so what have you guys been playing? Anything uh, new and exciting? Anything uh, fresh? Yeah. I... Wait, you're saying yes, yeah, George? I... Why are you nodding your head? Wait, wait, wait. Is it a new? Is it had to come out this year? Is this a formal public yeah. apology to me, George? No, I, I, well, that <laughs> depends on which game we're actually talking about. The one that you finally love and are really excited to talk about. See, now? I could talk about that, or I could talk about a game that Matt has shown interest in in the past that I really got into over the weekend, Ooh. or I could talk about how I just bought Dragon's Dogma for the Switch. Oh, wow. Wow. wow you've been busy. So busy. I'm still I'm still beating the qualifier of like a 10-year-old game everyone but me has already played and a new weird George game that probably appeals to not many more people than than me <laughs> and apparently Matt and then the 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 thing Liam's been trying to get me into that I finally managed to get into this week. So let's let's just give me the public apology and then move on. <laughs> well, okay, I don't I think I did that last week because I said something and I remember along the lines of, I'm fucking sorry, okay? Because <laughs> that's really what it feels like. Like, Animal Crossing is a radically different game. And it, it I, I feel like when people say that it's a radically unstructured game, they're deliberately omitting how many checklists of, of crafting and gathering you got to do to progress the game. And when they say how you don't do anything without any conflict and you got to make your own goals... They're also kind of neglecting how many hoops you got to get through to unlock things like the terraforming feature and a uh, enough of a catalog of, of furniture to be able to really get into the nitty gritty of the decorating. And that's what happened when when Tom Nook asked me to prepare for for like three different big long recipes at once. And I had a good like like two hour long quest with with solid rewards to look forward to. And now that I'm seeing the animals interact with the stuff that I'm putting around, and now that I have something to check into every day with, like, stock market prices, there's a lot more going on than there were in the first two weeks. And, yeah, I've turned. I enjoy it now. I'm fucking sorry I didn't like the first two weeks, okay? <laughs> but one thing I've noticed is that even people who really do like Animal Crossing do get into some negative criticisms about this one in particular. And I'm wondering if the coronavirus and how Animal Crossing is such a great escape from it kind of sort of makes, like, that criticism harder to take now. Because now that I'm into it too, like, I almost don't even want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> like that game has some real issues but but it's trying its hardest they didn't crunch their employees and like i don't know about that i don't know about that oh insider information yeah well, i wouldn't spell the beans that being the case 
One thing that is apparent that is shed to light is the fact that this is like the third best-selling Nintendo game of all time from a series, which is insane. How likely do you think that is, though, because of the quality of the game or because of the Nintendo Switch being such a more popular console than the last ones or the coronavirus? So coronavirus. Th- somebody, somebody said, ah, now, now, now. A lot of people would argue this, that the coronavirus has changed the landscape of why, but the numbers, the literal shit millions would not, like you're talking maybe like a couple of thousand, maybe 50,000 or so, because the actual number of switches purchased has not gone up that much. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they're super expensive now. (laughs) So you would assume that if Animal Crossing's success was because of the coronavirus, that the number of switches purchased would also have been massively skyrocketing. Because you would have got an influx of new users. Do we actually know? No, no, because you would have had an influx of new users. Like, the one thing, whilst the coronavirus has definitely impacted Animal Crossing in some way, I think the more likely uh, culprit for why this has been successful is one, because already the franchise was quite successful and did pretty good numbers anyway, but the viral nature of how (laughs) this beast of a game has taken over social media has got people like George, who isn't playing it because of the coronavirus, but is playing it because of seeing other people play it and talking with other people who are playing it, looking at people's pictures on Twitter, <laughs> like that I think is the real reason as to why this game is set. Like it is insane. Like eight million or something stupid. It's crazy. Crazy numbers for a video game. Yeah, because no one has any lives right now. No one has jobs. But the reality is that wouldn't actually affect anything. Like it would affect maybe a couple of thousand, like fifty to a hundred thousand, I 50, think. You think you think the world being out of a job expects 50,000 people? 50,000? No, 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 because no, but you, you're just attributing it to the fact that everybody's home, but you, everybody needs to have a switch to play. So if you're going to have a whole bunch of new users just because they're at home, then you they don't have to be new rise. users, though. They don't have to be. Well, you need a switch to play the game yeah it could be like a super mario 64 situation like like a high install base a halo a game where everyone who has the console also has this one killer app for it oh yeah no doubt but with the reality is that the coronavirus isn't going to change that it's going to be the viral nature which could have started with the fact that more people who were going to play anyway had more time to play I don't think it's mutually exclusive. It's a combination of all of the above. Oh man, absolutely. It's, but to to like a lot of people are just saying it's because of the coronavirus, which is completely a disservice. But don't neglect that at all. Video game sales are up. I it, I just looked it up and Everywhere. Nintendo sold yeah. double the n- amount of switches in March. We don't have the numbers for April yet. In in that transition from March to April, you saw the second hand market for switches go way high yeah, up. Yeah, it's yeah, like five hundred dollars yeah. now. A lot of people are buying more video games than Nintendo is able to roll off the assembly lines, 
And those people are buying digital copies of a game because they don't want to go out. And it's like a happy, cutesy, escapist game for a scary, gritty situation in real life. But like the number of Switches that are actually out in the wild is like, what, 25 million or something like that? It's still a shitload. That's a yeah, lot. well, that's the point, right? You're talking of literally a third of all people who own a Switch having it, right? And that's mm. not just come like since the beginning of this year. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden everybody's at home. Oh, let's buy one game and a new Switch, right? It's like a progressive curve. It's the same thing as, like, I understand, like, a Switch is on a PC, but, like, all I've been doing is looking up reviews and, and games that are popping up. As soon as they go on sale, all the reviews skyrocket, and they all mention coronavirus, like, just because they have time. Like, it's just a whole bunch of whole bunch of like long form games go on sale and they all earn a ton of money because everyone has a pc and it's the same thing if like if you have a pc you're gonna buy a pc game if you have a switch you're gonna buy a switch game if everyone's talking about this switch game and you already have a switch all you have to spend is 60 dollars and go get a switch like they're gonna go out and just go get it like i i feel like the install base is just so big that it, I mean, they've been selling for, for, for a while now since they came out, which has been mm. super successful. Yeah. And this is probably the highest selling one in the franchise so far, I bet. Like, it did have the strongest oh, launch, I think. It's had the third strongest launch of any Nintendo game ever. Like, for some reason, this Animal Crossing game in particular, not the others, is making these kinds of numbers. And I think it does have to do with the timing of its release. And that's coinciding with, with the coronavirus instead of Doom Eternal, which was a fun social media thing that also gave it, like, great word of mouth. Yeah, but it didn't have any legs in social media, right? We're talking about, like... It was already hyped, though. It was already hyped, and then coronavirus hit, and then it was just perfect. It was, like, the perfect storm oh, for it. Like, perfect I'm not storm. denying that in any way, but what I'm saying is, like, the literal contributing factor of somebody being like, I'm stuck at home because of the coronavirus, I'm going to buy Animal Crossing, is probably not as one-to-one as a lot of people are That is exactly is. what my ex-girlfriend has been saying for the whole week. <laughs> she wants a Switch now and she is regretting not getting it earlier because she wants <laughs> this Animal Crossing and none of the others. I'm going to give her my 3DS and, and we're going to oh, buy no. a digital copy of one of the older games. But she was like, no, I want the Switch version. Like, it's just this one in particular. But why is that? Why is that? Is it because she's seen it on Twitter and stuff like that? Like, literally... People have messaged me who don't play games asking what this is because they've seen it on Facebook. Because the way you can create incredibly viral stuff via Animal Crossing, like the Elijah Wood thing that happened like the other day. <laughs> that was funny. It's through social media. It's insane. The Hong Kong protests. That was that was our big news topic last. Like I looked there was a gif a, a gif of somebody's animation of Raymond, which is one of the more popular villages, right? He's a heterochromatic cat. And he's cool, and he looks great. But there was just a gif of somebody's animation of him, like, being scared of a pickle. Because cats seem to be scared of pickles, right? But that had, like, 350,000 retweets. And if you think of the numbers, you're like, okay, 350,000 people have to at least know who that character is, right? Give or take a lot of people thinking that maybe that's just a cute animation, right? And they don't know who the character is. But if you... Even take 50,000 away from that. That's 300,000 people who are willing to retweet that because they know who the character is, because they know what the series is, which is insane <laughs> numbers. That's insane. Okay. So, so that rephrases the question to, 
what is better for video game sales? A hype social media community or a global pandemic locking everyone inside? What should you do before launching your game to guarantee maximum demographic market penetration? Okay, well, I'll go back to what you guys literally just pointed out. Doom Eternal probably did very well, but nobody's talking about it anymore. Animal Crossing, literally my timeline is still swamped a month later because it's so viral and you can screenshot and video and you can have people in your <laughs> island, you can decorate <laughs> stuff. and oranges, Doom isn't made for that kind of shareability Animal Crossing. But you're talking about video games in coronavirus. Like literally the same logic should apply to Doom Eternal as Animal Crossing, right? Mm, Doom Eternal sucks, though. I'm at home during <laughs> coronavirus, therefore must purchase video games. Doom Eternal is not Animal Crossing. The happy cute factor is being multiplied with the coronavirus multiplier. Like, I'm not, I, I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, right? I just, I, I feel like millions more are being affected by the virus in wanting the game from that than the millions who are being affected by the social media word of mouth and want the game for that. All right, think about it in this way. And, and uh, this is the last thing I say. Um, <laughs> it's the last thing, because we were talking about this way too much. Um, I like how we went into news it, in the small talk. <laughs> like, just right out of the gate. We're 10 minutes you, in, and this is... You literally can't talk to your friends. You literally can't, like, have any social interaction, right? People are take it seriously. People literally just stay home and don't do anything, Right. Oh, you have this game that you can play with friends with that everyone's talking about that you can be included in so you don't feel like you're a, yeah. a waste of space in your own house. Yeah, it's like visiting <laughs> them when you can't do that. If no one sees me, do I exist? I don't know. Animal Crossing bridges that gap to make sure you don't go insane. <laughs> So, so it, it like reifies your humanity <laughs> as an individual. Yes. 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 God, I the no, light bulb not. that was blinking was that visiting a friend in Animal Crossing does kind of feel like visiting their house in real life. I was I was on like what we would say a social call now because you know everybody is zooming and discording whatever, and I was trying to finish Final Fantasy VII at the same time whilst being on a call with five of my colleagues who were all just going to each other's Animal Crossing islands all night, just going back and forth between each other's islands doing stuff. And they were just always talking about each other's islands. It is crazy. It is like hanging out. I was complaining in the beginning about how you both had to be online at the same time and like see each other while visiting your islands. But the now, now that I've had a few weeks to actually schedule that with a few friends and do it, I, I, get the intention and it is to make it feel like you're visiting a home they have made for themselves and their guests like mm. uh that's that's something you get when you visit someone's house is like how how does the unique arrangement of their furniture and decoration reflect them as a personality and i guess i didn't realize i missed that until this very second on the podcast i had so much of that like personality and shining through through customization and design shines through in social media because that's where people share their creative juices right i mm. think the insanity of how viral some of the animal crossing stuff has gone <laughs> is amazing so on my island i decided to get real utilitarian with it i have i have <laughs> i have diligently arranged everything into organized districts that uh have lines of 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 fun activities i mean productive labor on the way I have like the more expensive fruit closer to my house and then farms of cheap fruit further away from the house. You dictator. 
And then a, a residential suburban district for for neighbors and anyone who who plays on the console. And then the capital district for me and the original residents of our island. Yeah, yeah. I I have I have this all of society harmoniously arranged for glorious productivity for the people of Arby's Island. But I'm well aware that if the the stock price drops below 36 be bells, I have only like 12 hours of authority on this island before I got to get out. Okay, Liam, I got some questions. Okay. Who pays Tom Nook to buy all your garbage? I mean, that's for Tom Nook to know, and that's for you to never find out. I, I don't feel very powerful as a dictator because I feel like all of my power depends on, on these mysterious foreign backers. Let me let me ask, actually, the more important question is, how much did you spend on turnips this week? Last week, I spent my whole life savings on it and, and doubled my, and how much my that? value. About 100,000 bells? This week, I had a lot. <laughs> you poor, pathetic peasant. And, and, and then I paid off Nook's... Um, 200,000 mortgage afterwards with, with all I had earned. And now I have a lot less money to buy stocks with and then resell them. But I also have more foreign fruits that I can sell on, on, on friend islands. Like, yeah, there is a macroeconomic aspect to this game that is getting me sucked in. You hear me getting sucked, right? I spent 130,000 bells on a kitchen today. It, 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 the other thing I've got going on is that I've completely cleared out the house and want to buy the maximum amount of rooms I can, but I'm keeping them empty right now and using the furniture to rearrange my harmonious society outside. And then I'll get to the interior decorating. One thing that had to switch in my mind was like, oh, I should actually be decorating outside instead of inside. And I ended up having a lot more fun that way. So how much is your life savings now? Well, the number in the account's not very high, but I guarantee you I have a large personal, um, what's, what's the word the rich people use? Portfolio of, <laughs> of liquid assets that I can turn into raw bells at a moment's notice if, uh, you know, the- You need, you need liquid assets and a good bank account as well, George. <laughs> okay, but, but <clears throat> back to my questions. It'll all come down to hell if whoever is supporting Nook drops out and also whoever is supporting the airlines. Like if there's if there's a market economy in the outside world, I think all of our Animal Crossing Island people are just going to be stranded and they'll might actually be okay. But there's only two employees. The there's literally only two employees. The overhead costs of that airport and that airplane <laughs> is literally the cheapest it could ever be. Do you think that like my island of of pear trees though could could support that? I don't know. We don't have oil on the island. I mean, the six million bells I have in my bank account could. <laughs> See, okay, there's a real problem with with holding all the wealth, <laughs> and and whether or not there is enough value in everyone's island across all seven million people who have bought that game to actually reflect. The, the, how many bells did you say you have at the moment? Six million. To actually reflect the value of the six million bells you, you have. See, okay, actually, I have a question here. Are the prices of things affected by online stuff? Because this shit could get hilarious. No, but there is, there is <laughs> algorithms that you can track. By inputting your data for the tenant prices, you can pretty much figure out how much you're going to earn that week and how much you're going to have to spend. Interesting. And then you just make the money, like... Like last week was the most I made because I sold about seven hundred thousand worth of turnips at a at a price of four hundred and sixty-three. So I made like I made like five million. This is a completely different world from what I was playing through during Bunny Week, man. The Bunny Week was nothing like 
like what we're talking about here. As Drake once said, started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, um um Do so you like it? You enjoying it? Question number three. Does Nook screen applicants for submissiveness? Because everyone I've ever met seems super stoked to be on this island, super stoked to talk to me, super stoked to be an indentured servitude to the Nook Corporation. Like, it's creepy. Have you noticed how you're the one who's actually convincing people to come to the island? Nook doesn't actually do anything. You're the person who goes up to people on other islands and go, hey, you should come live on my island. Sometimes you overhear him on the phone, though, unless he's just trying to pretend like he has other clients to keep his scam. I mean, going. his business is to offer a space on deserted islands. I imagine he has many people trying to call him. And that's just a lie, because they're not deserted. I mean, you know, okay. They were until you arrived. I'm thinking about how they could have done this differently, and I'm wondering if focusing more on, on the decoration and economy and marketing would have fixed my problems earlier like what what could they have done differently to make me feel this joy <laughs> uh that i'm feeling right now during the earlier weeks during you don't week. do that in the beginning the marketing reflects the early part of the game pretty well the whole picking fruit running around your islands you know absorbing the deserted tropical island nature of it i think is a lot of what you do in the early game because you're scavenging around pretty much for anything to sell for bells and then you start asking questions and the whole thing turns into a amazing elaborate meta-narrative conspiracy driven by online discussion it's like the dark souls of Animal Crossing New Horizons is the Dark Souls of easy babby games for kids. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. Uh, woo! Let's, uh, let's touch another game. We're on a oh, roll wow. today. You're going to touch some monkeys. Matt, what have you been doing? Uh, I played uh, some more Persona. That Ooh. game is long. Let me tell you. <laughs> was, wait, game. wait. Have you finished it? No, no, oh, I have Christ. not. I thought you—I thought you were literally some sort of inhumane god. Well, yeah, but it's—it's just—it's just like the reason why it's the second dungeon is just a little boring, <laughs> just a little boring compared to the first one. You're on the second one. Yeah, this dude, it's long, George. Like second dungeon, oh, and you're like over dang. twenty hours in. Like that's—it's long. Um, oh. yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, I need a break. <laughs> Wait, what do you break. do in between the dungeons then? You, you talk to your friends. <laughs> you talk to your a friends. A week of real life time. Something yeah. that Matt doesn't do in real life. Yeah, be in high school. I can't do that in real life. Um, no, not I, anymore. Uh, not anymore. Oh, I guess you can, but not without a bunch Since of questions. the police warned me. <laughs> you can, but you shouldn't. <laughs> i'm not gonna even touch that um <laughs> no don't that's what we're telling what you no <laughs> yeah um no presuming is good it's just um i need to get through that second dungeon hopefully the third dungeon is, is pretty good but uh for my new game i've been playing a bit of itta it's called itta i think it's called itta it's i t t a 
So what kind of game is it a? Sure. <laughs> it's a shoot 'em up. Is a shooter? It's a, it's a oh. shooter. Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. What it, is it's, it? It's like a cute little indie game where you have boss rushes, you have a world to explore. It's it's short. It's extremely short. And it gets pretty hard. I I gotta say it's it was all right. I'm, I, there's a couple of indie games I want to play, like Cloud Punk and all oh, that. Oh, I saw out. a gif of this the other day. Yeah, it looks good. It it feels good. Sometimes the bosses can be uh, just a little unfair. Like there's this boss that teleports directly to you, and it's hard to see. It's hard to focus on the boss's animation and the all the bullets going to kill you at the same time. So it, it's so quick, it's like a second animation, and he like teleports directly on top of you. And if you're not rolling away, you get damaged over and over again. You only have like like three, no, four, four hearts. So four of those, and you're dead pretty much, four even hits. though you've been dodging everything. But it, it's it's interesting. It's I wouldn't say like it's like a go out and buy it if you want to shoot 'em up game. But it's a good indie game. The story's a little wonky, though. It doesn't make any sense. You know, it tries to have that atmosphere. If you ever played, um, what's the one with the eggplant monsters? Uh, not Transistor. Uh, well, Hyperlight Drifter. Yeah, know? I was going to say, it literally, like, graphically pulls straight from Hyperlight Drifter. In retrospect, yeah. Hyperlight Drifter was influential as hell. Like, look at all this. Yeah, Hyperlight I Drifter mean, it was, was amazing. Indie Zelda, so... <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. Oh my god, I love that game. It's, it's all right. It's it's all right. I'm not. It, it didn't wow me. You know, usually these in these games, I like to go in, have some fun for a few, you know, a couple to a few hours, and then I'm yeah. done with it. But this one, like, it was just a, a lot of times where you have to pause. You're like, eh, it's not. It's not quite as clean as you would like it to be. It's not a bad game. It's just how, yes. how do you get on? on these things how do you find these so i look i look a lot you don't see me rage no one answers me in the discord but i rage on the discord constantly and saying like oh my god i need a game to play i need a game to play <laughs> and i search hard and the best place that i find um to get you going if you do want to go through skype not skype sorry uh steam all the time is get indie gaming it's a YouTube channel yeah. that literally just spams just constant games for the whole month over and over and over again each month. And then the gems for like the first couple months. And it just constantly spams the games to you so you can kind of see like what's out there. Um, even the stuff that's not on Steam. There's stuff that's on Switch that he covers and stuff like that. That's basically what it's like a news channel for indie games. That's basically what people use it for. Because other than that, there's not much personality going on there. Um, <laughs> yeah, not, not to say his voice isn't nice, but that you know, poor it's man. Not much, yeah. killed him. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the best channel. If you want to know about indie games that are really hard to find because no one talks about them, what? Get indie gaming. No one fucking talks about some of these indie games that I play, man. No one. I remember Barry went on a a freaking tirade when he came on here and i didn't know any of these games barry Not had like thing. a list to go through yes nothing well and and to be fair so did liam but liam was an igf judge at the time but barry just, yeah just but, any other, through but any other time liam is playing 
What are you playing? What? I play loads of indie games. It's literally all I play. Yeah. That's what I get roasted for most of the time. Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. Before you did used to play a lot more. Well, that's because then I... My like the, all the hype games, though. Games, like Overdone. And now I have no time. <laughs> <laughs> the Ouroboros eats itself. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I did play the Randy Pitch Perfect 3 game. Borderlands 3? Yes, I did play that game. Uh, it was on sale. Did you Did you play co-op with best friend Randy? No, I wish. I wish, um, but I, I didn't get. He was busy. <laughs> Everybody, I wish they could see George's like disgruntled face. What can I say about Borderlands Three? I understand oh, please why. Please tell me it's amazing. Please, Matt, just tell me it's amazing. <laughs> you can't show a reporter photos of bruised ribs without them getting bruised somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Borderlands D- Three. Did he punch himself in the rib? <laughs> Was that the story? Somehow, I don't think so. It's good as a game. It's like fun. That's what it is. This is a definition of like a fun game. You're not going to get a really good story from this. The jokes are kind of cringy. And that's something saying coming from me. I'm totally okay with cringy jokes. Isn't it very like YouTuber influence? Oh, God. It's heavy. pretty like. Oh, God. It just keeps going with the nonsense. Like it's like something that was funny back when Borderlands 1 and 2 came out, you know? Claptrap definitely sounds <laughs> which, different. Which were also never funny. Yeah, never funny. <laughs> Claptrap sounds different as hell. I'm assuming it's not the original voice actor because of what happened. Because of best friend Randy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you hear Claptrap, you're like, wait, what? Like, it's, it's just iconic for me. I, I played through uh, one a lot. As far as the guns go and the gameplay, that's fun. That's that's good. The guns popping out, even though I, f- I would say the loot is kind of garbage. Like sometimes you just don't really get a lot of good drops. But uh, and and that's literally the point of the game. The literally the point of the game. If you're not getting good drops, the enjoyment level will go down because you don't really care about some of these characters. Um, it's a it's a it's a fun game. Let me say, but like. You get to choose from four characters, and they're all completely different. And you get to customize like the uh, like you have stacks and stuff. Like you're in an MMO, like uh, if you shoot, there's one that if you uh, you can reserve some of your health, and then you get double your energy. This one, if you kill an enemy, you re, um, you recover uh, uh, freaking shields, and just like a bunch of stuff you can mix and match to make like a powerful character and like th- different builds, and you can reset at any time. Playing this co-op would probably be a, a much better way to do it because there will be some synergy with a lot of the skills that are there. Um, playing it solo like I've been doing is probably uh, just kind of okay. <laughs> just kind of okay. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, Borderlands 3. I mean... Out of 10 Randys, 0 being a 10 out of 10 game because you'd have no Randys. And one being a nine out of ten because you'd only have one Randy to deal with. How many Randys out of ten is it? Uh, it's a good five Randys. <laughs> so good it's five. as good as not having five Randys, but as annoying as dealing with five Randys. Yeah, it's like right in the middle of middle of the Randy Hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see. I, <laughs> I you should you guys could 
really see like Liam and George's faces as I talk about Borderlands Three. Like they are so interested in what I'm saying about Borderlands Three. It's, it's like, like Randy insane. putting on a magic show, but then insulting you, <laughs> you on see? Twitter after. <laughs> I hope you're listening, audience. I hope you're listening. I have, I have, I have no problem with Borderlands Three, other than the joke. No, I mean I should say Borderlands in general. Like I, I think it is fun. I've only played Borderlands One. But it was fun. But the jokes and the humor is just so bad. So bad. You know, uh, there was a couple like slave jokes in there, right? About working hard, too hard. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. When I, when I heard that, oh, I was like, crunch joke. Yeah, I was just like, ooh, that does, that, that doesn't, mm. Mm. I don't know if it aged well because this probably was happening while they were making that scene. It's just like, oh no. Wait, what's the what's the? I, do you want to share yeah. the joke? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I can't remember exactly because I think it happened twice during the story, or a side quest where it, it's either I think the bandit queen girl was Calypso. Uh, the they have like some bands, like the main two characters are like twins, and they're like super like influencer edgy people who show people dying on screen like she's like some type of fucking jake paul like seriously <laughs> it's fucking weird man it's weird um and she talks about like her bandits like just needing a, a like like a follower mm. and and like we're at a point now in history where youtubers are inspiring fictional villains yeah maybe oh great maybe. what a cool it, job i picked it touches on a lot of things that go <laughs> oh, go man. on and so, so the villains and children's movies in 20 years from now might play into a lot of these negative stereotypes of youtubers that are developing now Ooh. it's it's like a like a very edgy you know edgy teenager made it you know that's what it feels I, like. I thought you said that that's the villain. Like the villain is is a shocking streamer or something. Yeah, yeah. She she's the leader. Man, the twins are the leaders, but they also stream like everything that goes on. Yeah, and and as much as like I hate the Jake Pauls of the world, I wonder if like I would be offended playing Borderlands three and seeing that streamers and YouTubers are the villains. <laughs> <laughs> You, and they have know, like, and they have a following that will do anything for them. That's that's literally. The- <laughs> well, I guess I'm happy. I've never been a big fan of Borderlands. <laughs> no, I mean it's not bad. It's it's it's. I mean, I never laughed at any of them. <laughs> but you know, it's. I don't laugh usually a lot. Like, I wonder if I ruined my experience with the first game though by doing a lot of it solo, and then the second half of it with not very great friends or not very close friends i'll say that yeah you definitely have it like i feel like i'm not explaining borderlands 3 enough but like no i i think i think you explained you or you reinforced exactly how i feel about the franchise and from what i've seen of borderlands 3 is that uh, the shooting is the same as it's always been it's pretty good i mean it sells millions of copies so obviously it's pretty good but the cringeworthy humor is just as even more cringeworthy as it was prior. 
the shooting design is so like bullet spongy and and stand in one spot and hold an angle and i think it's not it's not it's not it, the first game definitely was and, and well, the more I mean, players that, that joined like the more they wanted ago. the more they increased it up right right it, and then after I played the division, I I with with good better friends, yeah. I realized that the multiplayer co-op shooters that do that kind of kind of do that because they want you talking to each other while you're concentrating fire on certain enemies all at the same time. And when you play it solo, you don't get that, and it just seems weird and 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 purposeless for enemies to have so much health. And that's I mean that's all it has, right? It's like it's like playing Destiny two alone. Like mm-hmm. I can't shout on Borderlands because Destiny. Is obviously of the same sort of blood ethos. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I but mean... the the thing you have with Borderlands over Destiny, if you just play it solo, is the story. And if the story is this cringeworthy YouTuber nonsense, it's like, oh, it's not all that. Is... But yeah, it's still it's still cringy. The jokes are still cringy. Yeah, I, I did cringy a day me. of Borderlands two with a friend, and I remember Handsome Jack being a pretty fun villain. More, more so than anyone in the first game was. What was the hmm. spinoff called? The pre-sequel. The pre-sequel, yeah. I heard that was pretty good. That was made by, what, Take-Two Australia? Some Australia dev? Uh, I'll say this, though. Um, it's not bullet spongy. Um, like, having the right guns and stuff like that, you melt people, like, really Australia. quickly. Australia. Uh, the Australian 2K game. But yeah, yeah, Borderlands Borderland 3. Borderland 3. So it's not spongy this time? It's not spongy, no. Interesting. Um, because that was like a, a huge complaint of the last two games. Yeah, so like, that's that's cool to hear. If an enemy has armor, you want to switch to something that can just like destroy their armor real quick, and then go to their health, and then you just have to have a different different guns for every uh, situation, pretty much. Yeah. If the solo experience is still kind of mediocre, though, and if I'd be supporting Randy Pitchford, I still. Don't know, but my mind has definitely changed after playing a few days of the division with good friends. My mind on those like bullet spongy co-op looter shooters has definitely turned to a better place. Or yeah, it was different. <sighs> Man, it's hard to find good games. <laughs> it's hard to find good so. games. And, uh, uh, what, what I think so. I. Ancestors? You're gonna really talk about Ancestors right now? I'm gonna talk about Ancestors right now, yeah! That's a weird game that has, like, kind of middling reviews that I did not have high expectations for. But oh boy, that game, that game is is nuts. It is a hoot. It is, it is unlike anything I've played or seen. I, it's, it's unlike anything I've seen. I smell before. trash, man. I smell it. I smell the yeah? trash, man. You think, yeah. you think, okay, so... Production values are kind of sort of back and forth all over the place. There is a lot of jank with how the camera will zoom in way too damn close to you and, and obscure the view of where you're trying to go in between like really surprisingly highly produced cutscenes and really great environmental design and also animations. But you're you're interfacing that with a control scheme that is deliberately hamstrung for upgrade thematic aesthetic reasons I'll get into later, but also very inelegantly does the the holding things with your hands using the triggers sort of activities. So, okay. Ancestors, Mankind's Odyssey is, is a game we've talked about in the Discord. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, though. But, um... <laughs> Matt posted a trailer one time, and, and it yeah. just looked weird as hell. 
is the game where you play as the hominids from 10 million years ago. Uh, th th this, this is the creation of mankind in its incredibly sacrilegious context. You play as the animals that evolved from the, the common ancestors between apes and men nowadays to, to diverge those two paths back then. You will pick like neurons in their brain that will have you balancing like, like intelligence or strength to create different generations that end up adding up to a different animal you switch to later on. So, okay, basic, basic interface and control scheme is third person action game. You, you move the stick and control the character. You uh, have a, a Minecraft-esque day-to-night survival gameplay loop where you're going to have to gather up a checklist of materials in the wilderness, avoid predators while you're doing it, bring them back home to a base, but it moves at a very fast, smooth, compelling clip. And one of the reasons why is because they don't want you returning home after every night. You'd live like a real animal. You just kind of need the grass wherever you are when it happens to be nighttime and sleep right there on the spot under, your, under the sun. You also have a lot of weird AI squad controls going. You're <laughs> I, I, I think the way combat works in this game is really, really interesting um, because it's you just getting eaten by predators. You don't really have a way to fight back until you level up your brain good enough to figure out how to make pointy sticks, at which point combat becomes high risk, little reward QTE boss battles. And if you win and manage to kill the tiger or whatever that's, that's chasing your family through the jungle, that just attracts another bigger predator to the fight scene. So they really don't want you fighting. They don't even want you walking on the ground, just like you're, you're, you're a, a primate in the jungle. It's dangerous down there. So there's some different play styles that I had to restart a few times to learn. And I found the, the process of, of getting into the mindset of, of staying in the trees, keeping an eye out for predators below, pressing buttons on the controller that associate to your sense of sight and smell and sound to, to scan the environment for any evidence of predators. Because sometimes I swear they just spawn them in if you walk on the ground too long. And also... I, I got like emotionally involved with it in a way I wasn't expecting to. Right? Right? Because they, the hominids, the hominids, they look dumb as hell in the marketing material. And I am, I am right there with you. Like half the reason I bought the game was because I just wanted to like giggle at their janky animations, but I wasn't expecting to be like, Oh, what a cute, noble endeavor these these creatures are making, trying to elevate themselves beyond the chaos of animal instinct into conscious thinking individuals. And the way that the death system works actually does try to gamify that evolutionary process. So you control one character at a time and you try to find a mate and um, make make a child and as many children as possible, because the more children you have, Wait, what? the higher... The more children you have, the higher chances they get of having upgrade slots you as the parent don't have. And those represent mutations. And if you carry the child around and, and do the daily uh, uh, combat collecting exploration loop with the child on you, it gives the child experience points that they level into those upgrade systems. And then if, and if you die, this is how the game does a Dark Souls retrieval style system. So you don't get those experience points for your child if you don't have your child piggybacking on, on your back while you go monkey around the jungle. And if you die, you then play as the kid who scurries off to a hiding place and waits while you take control of another parent who goes off and catches the kid and brings them back. 
So if you get a lot of parents killed, but still have some kids left over in the clan, you can press a button that fast forwards time 15 years. <laughs> and then you play as the kids all grown up with a different set of upgrades, a different upgrade tree than their parents. And eventually, after you finally have had your fill of whatever chunk of the jungle those kids and who grow up to be new parents explore, you then press a button that says evolution. The screen fades to black and shows you something like 15 million years later, and you play as a different species that looks different, stands a little more upright, has a bit less hair, and, and maybe has a control scheme more suited to, to carrying stuff around than the monkeys you were playing as earlier, who were like, had a control scheme that is, is hamstrung to represent what it's like being a dumb animal instead of a competent person. It's actually really, really interesting what systems this game has in place to depict the message it's trying to get across. And I ended up getting totally suckered into it because as dumb as these characters look in the marketing material outside of the game, a Gordon Freeman or like Link from Zelda effect happens where once you share a mind space with them, you, since they don't talk and they don't really like have human ways of expressing themselves beyond body language. And, and since they have a lot of cute audio cues and interactions with each other and little idle animations that they play, they grow on you. They grow on you in a way I was not expecting. And what the and by, hell? Yeah, yeah. By the end of the last session, I had moved from from like a, a big monster hunter style jungle to like some savannas that look like the intro of the Lion King. Like the game has a great vibe and atmosphere to it. And it's pretty to look at and and controlling a whole family of hominids instead of just one does a lot to make you feel for them and be invested in what what they're going to grow up to be and, and which generations you keep living and which you don't. And also like in Disco Elysium, you are upgrading elements of their psychology. So, okay, this is when I get to complain about the control scheme. <clears throat> Pre to preface that, yeah. it is developed by the guy who made Assassin's Creed, which notoriously has terrible controls. And a fetish for climbing things. Yeah. Yeah, this game, I mean, you, you monkey around. You, they, they don't want you walking on, on the ground. You're supposed to be swinging from, from tree to tree through much of the early game. And the climbing system tries to be elegant like Assassin's Creed, but occasionally fails from being too janky because it has, doesn't have as high a budget as Assassin's Creed. I think it's mostly the camera, though, than the controls that, that cause me to miss some jumps I've, I've missed in, in my lives. But anyways, when you start the game, you are unable to pick up more than one item from the ground. Your, your animal brain is too dumb to keep track of two things at once, so they just flat out don't give you another button on the controller that could save you a bunch of time. You also have to upgrade to something called like motoricity that then lets you pick up and drop stuff while you move around. <laughs> so before you get that upgrade, you actually have to stop what you're doing, release a button, hold another button, release that button again, walk back up to a previous item you dropped, pick it up, walk over to another spot, press a button, press another button, all while like not moving to make sure it works right. And it's frustrating as hell, and I get why a lot of reviewers didn't like this stuff, but I think it's because it's kind of gamifying the clumsy 
process that animals will do when they try to do something real smart and clever. Like if you ever see a dog or a crow like drag some items into their favorite little spot, like they don't have hands. They can't do it elegantly, but they still want to get it there. And in this game, you've got hands, but your brain is not evolved in well enough to know how to use them until later on after after you make your way down the upgrade tree. Like walking up right is very far down the upgrade tree. Like I'm pretty sure that most of the game is is you being more animal than human, but the way it blurs the lines is is fascinating and the way it incorporates that in the upgrade system is fascinating and the the graphics and the visuals and the sounds of it all and how they also give your your clans like procedurally generated names with little family trees that you actually are a part of and keeping track of they they became cute little minion characters that i just kind of love like they're dumb fumbly clumsy little goofs that get themselves into trouble and react exaggeratedly like uh like mascot characters do they 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 turned from weird creepy like unsettling human but not quite things characters into something that reminds me more of the astrobots from from the psvr games like cute little robots running around with uh with silly body language yeah i i i went for a while but hopefully hopefully i at least explained myself in terms of <laughs> of of why I ended up loving this game that I was not expecting to and why uh, my expectations were exceeded here and why I ended up having hey. fallen in love with a new game this week. I actually wanted to play that game and just never never and got it around got to doing kinda it. Kind of mediocre reviews. It's yeah, like I an saw epic that. store exclusive. There there were things putting me off from it, but it and and it is kind of a George game. You got to you got to adjust your expectations and yeah, I'm playing trash. I know I'm playing trash. Oh my god! No, it's <laughs> I was gonna say because, like you know, games can be frustrating <laughs> because you're like, you want to do something because as a human being you should be able to do it, whether it's climb a ladder or do. Oh something. yeah, I wonder. But if, that's if frustrating. Are I thing. can't imagine playing a game where you're playing as a dumb monkey, who you as a human being controlling the monkey know what to do but the game hinders you because the monkey is hindered like that just sounds frustrating <laughs> it just sounds n nothing but frustrating it is frustrating i agree with you i i i am willing to put up with that though from from the implication you see when when enjoying a george do you game you get to name your monkeys yes how does the monkey know how to name itself? Uh, they all have one syllable grunt noises. Like, like I think my my. Okay, that's actually a pretty good answer. I wanted my, to be snarky, but that was a good answer. No, <laughs> no, they. Well, you they're they're randomly generated names, but you can press a button to cycle through the generator until the next one comes up. So I like I, I spawned in as a guy named Ta, and and my my mate was Goog, and and they gave birth to a son. They named like like Z. But I wanted the the name to be a little closer to the parents, so I eventually settled on something like Gut. Wow, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> right? Right? I was not expecting them to go as hard as I they like ended that. up going. <laughs> that I do like. I mean, you already, you already talked a lot, but what do you do? Try to eventually upgrade them into humans, I guess. I'm wondering what it's going to look like at the end of the upgrade tree. You're just walking around aimlessly? Well, you're exploring. There's there's a certain passion to the exploration. There's a certain feeling of rewarding of, reward of being able to overcome these predators who stalk you 
in the earlier game, there's um, hunger and thirst meters you have to... I think that's actually the a lot of the motivation for, for the loop that I was getting suckered into. Like, of all... Oh, God. I'm going to get so much hate, maybe from Liam for this, but <laughs> this game, I think, does Breath of the Wild's inspired stuff in a way that I at least found more fun Oof. than my Breath of the Wild Oof. replay. This podcast is over. Mm-hmm. This podcast you, is you, over. In, in Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey, Hi, you do mostly... sunk to a new low. You do mostly completely player-driven exploration that sparks from climbing a tree and seeing a point of interest in the distance. You stamp a waypoint down on that, go a little lower below the canopy and get into trouble along the way there. And what you find could be something like, I don't know if I should spoil it, but it's crazy as hell what the motivation in the story. Okay, you asked, should I should I say no, what, no, you, no, what no. you're out there looking for? No, no, no. Because it's I wild. I want to try it out. It's yeah. nuts. There and it happens early, like three hours in. You're just talking about systemic gameplay, though. Yeah, like, yeah, and and the systemic d- gameplay I think is really good and something that that I think is Breath of the Wild Breath inspired of the Wild here. Exclusive, is it? Like no, MGS it's inspired. Does it, Dishonored does it. How many games let you climb any surface in the game at like no consequence? This is one yeah. of the few. Fair enough. Um, you also don't have a mini map like like this is gamifying what it would be like to have no paper to write things down with so well, what you, you do you are a monkey so you memorize locations give them a name and then like find your way based on landmarks and whether or not you're going up or down the stream of the local river you were born next to does it make you poop and pee there's no poop and pee meter so it's not very realistic then you do have to pick the bugs out of your mate's back though it's a bonding experience. That's how you get them horny. How do you poop the bugs out? Uh, you hold the B button and release when the controller vibrates and you see... W- okay, this is another thing. There's weird cute... Wait, you don't eat the bugs? Uh, well, yeah, I guess you do. But it doesn't fill up your hunger meter how like, do like vegetables do. But There's no poop. There's you, no poop meter. You can poop in Animal Crossing. You, you can pretend to poop in Animal Crossing. Well, at least you can't pretend to poop in Monkey Game. <laughs> oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> It's like Breath of the Wild because you can climb anything because there's no minimap and you pick a point of interest and, and run into procedurally generated trouble on your way there because it's built to have little player-driven mini-adventures. Like, like you spend an hour getting to a new point of interest and, and engaging with all the procedural trouble along the way. You, unlike Breath of the Wild, you have a squad you've got to manage on your way through that open world. And I think that's something new that you don't see in a lot of open world games that I've played that does make this feel fundamentally different. Like, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder to make sure the family's behind me. There's a button that you can press that makes you do an animal call. So, like, I'm every every one minute or so, I'll press the uh, button and I'll hear in the distance through the trees <laughs> about six other voices that I can't see, but I will hear them go, ah! And that's how I know my family is still out there behind me and we're not separated. And I actually feel like a like like an animal wandering around like for a, a nice spot. Like a dad. Like a, like an animal dad herding his kin <laughs> to the next spot to sleep for the night. That is your primary is motivation that- to like eat all the food in one area and make sure that there's enough in the next where you gotta sleep the next day. Enough for the whole family. If anybody wondered, that is that is exactly how we make sure that the three of us are alive each week. Ah! Ah! 
So yeah, it it's really immersive, like creeping through the jungle, pressing the button that that makes you call out to your kin and hearing them just echo from from the woods somewhere around you. You can't see them, but you do have this like this gamified system of senses that that still keep track of the important stuff in ways that aren't elegant and a little hard to get used to, but I think are cool as hell and make the game fun for me. <laughs> well, you and the 10 other people who bought the game in uh... <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I feel I feel really bad for this team cuz cuz they they did you can tell from seeing some of the the interesting materials that they're really invested in an idea that strikes the rest of us as weird as hell. It took like what? 3 years, 4 years as well this game. Oof. It was in development for a long time. Well, I'm surprised at how much there actually is there. Like, if you explore an area you don't know, there's a gamified, like, fear of the unknown where your animal will hallucinate predators jumping out of the bushes at you. Like, you'll see 2D gifs of fangs and eyes coming at you from darkened bushes, and it's so cheesy, and it's a little tedious to play through because it slows you down and forces you to click on stuff, but... I've never seen a game do that before. Well, it has been an hour. <laughs> it has been an hour. It I have has... talked about that for 30 minutes. It's been, it's been an hour. Liam, you've been playing something. I didn't get to talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to... And I literally stayed up until 4 a.m. to finish a game so I could... You're, you're going to talk about it right now. I, I, I would say... Um, uh, just, just a, just a toss in a, a quick Netflix, no chill, uh, happy. It's on the Sci-Fi Channel, so you know it's gonna be a special type of crusty. Um, just, a, <laughs> just a special type, happy. Even as a British person, I kind of know what that means. Yeah, yeah, just a special type. Um, yeah, if you want something absolutely insane and unserious, goofy, where uh. A very violent detective has an imaginary friend. Yeah, get, 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 give that a watch. It gets crazier as you watch it. There you go. There you go. There goes some Netflix on the show. So, Liam, 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 Liam. You stay up to 4 a.m. playing. I did. Final Fantasy VII Remake. The spoiler cast. It is the spoiler edition because I finished it. You'll never guess what I have to do right now. Bladder's acting up again. I'm going to run to the bathroom. You guys have fun. George is out. George, basically, um, he spent money on the monkey game instead of actually buying Final Fantasy. Ah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> just saw his little white ass jump out of that door as he said fuck <laughs> up about the monkey game so yeah man I finished wait, it how did you, what do you think what do you think I, talk, I talked enough so you talk okay so I actually for the first time in a long time wrote down a lot of notes because I couldn't stop thinking about this game there are so many different things related to both like the game as an overall as just a game mm. and also as like a, a Final Fantasy 7 yeah the Final Fantasy VII part of it is the easiest part to start with because, you know, I think a lot of people who've played it now who have finished it, if you haven't finished it and you're still playing it, don't listen to this. Come back later. If you are planning on playing it, don't listen to this and come back later. Unlike George, who is coming back right now. <laughs> but the the easiest part to start with is the, the Final Fantasy VII part, which is, man, this game goes wildly different. Yes. <laughs> don't they? <laughs> 
goes off the rails, dude. And I love it. Yes. I fucking love it. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, dude. Like, like you're you're thinking this is going to happen. And it's you just, as you play, you just see, like, you go farther and farther from the original story. All of a sudden, you're finding yeah. Sephiroth, like, 20 times, you know? Yeah. And, and to the point that it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, like, kinda, like, at yeah, the end, it didn't make mean. any sense. It didn't make any sense. You saw they just Zach wanted walking. to reuse the Advent Children CG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like and like, what? Wh- why was he out there? Did Cloud die? No, I, he didn't die. Like, it's just like a lot of weird shit. There is a lot of weird yeah. shit, and a lot of it has come up in like fan theories. And I spent the better half of today looking up lore videos and stuff oh, based on the ending because okay. I just need to know more. So, and formulating my own thoughts about it. Obviously, there seems to be something that's going on with this group of. Party members, Cloud, Barrett, Tifa, Aerith, have done something different to what the previous mm-hmm. or, or parallel dimension of party members has done, which is... Or going back in time. Or, yeah, or going back in time to try and save the yeah. fate. Um, they are basically, they've changed their destiny, right? They've changed the fate of what happened in the original Final Fantasy VII or, or the kind of preceding events of what happens. And now there is this new open thing now that they can go ahead now and do whatever the hell they want to be fair if you were going to do anything people were going to be angry yeah. right if you were going to change anything so square enix have like wholeheartedly just fucking leaned into it and been like well we're going to create this whole plot line where these things called whispers try and keep everybody doing the original storyline but then our wicked new game is going to deviate from the storyline and then that itself is going to be a part of the storyline and we're going to make it super confusing not quite to kingdom hearts levels because it's actually still quite followable Mm -hmm. and not insane (laughs) but the biggest wheel in the chain is that zach is alive so but not there but not there so like Parallel timelines? Midgar existing in different timelines at the same time? Dude, dude, this is definitely Kingdom Hearts, man. I wanted to say it so bad last time. Like, he talks about the heart so much, and shit. It's like, what the fuck is the darkness? Come on. This is Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) But the one thing I think that... It definitely tries to explain a lot more about what's going on than Kingdom Hearts ever does. There's a lot of of dialogue exposition in (laughs) Kingdom Hearts, right? Whereas, like... In this game, they're just living into spirits or, or whispers, right? They try and stay the course of destiny. And that's it. Like, they don't try and throw hearts and nobodies and naughted and, like, all made-up words at you, which is jargon that you have to remember what it is, but also it doesn't make any sense because there's no English reference point for what these things are. So it does try to stay in that in that nether zone where it's like, yeah, we're throwing a lot of exposition at you, but we're using actual English words. Yeah, yeah. Normal stuff. But what is the most exciting thing, I think, is the Sephiroth, who is great, and I absolutely fucking love him in this game. He's so cool. Is He's like a time-traveling Sephiroth from the future mm. who knows he failed or something. Yeah. And is now coming back to try and change what happened. I think that's what's happening. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Man, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, because he, he, can, he can move the whispers. He doesn't, 
he doesn't need to follow the raw the the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just like the planet he doesn't need to bend to the planet's will. Like Genova is able to like whatever is inside of him that is the Genova part of him allows him to reject the planet's will, which is the whispers, I I guess. Which is amazing and, and weird and cool. And it sets up Sephiroth as this big baddie gonna destroy the planet, not just Shinra, which, you know. That's the thing. Uh, you remember the last time when I beat this and we're on the podcast, I said there's there's a great sin. There's one great sin that I feel like they really missed an opportunity. And it's that they did not, if they're going to change the story, you have, you have to show what happened to Cloud in his hometown. You have to show that yes. full thing. Why didn't they show that full thing right before you fight Seth Roth is beyond me. And it's the most stupidest thing I've ever watched someone do. <laughs> on the yeah, there's a moment where Hojo starts to try and say Cloud's backstory, but then the whispers carry him away because Cloud wasn't supposed to know at that time what his backstory was or whatever, right? But there could have been... I still think as somebody who maybe coming into this, playing it because they've heard a lot about Final Fantasy VII, you need to know a lot about the other game and also Crisis Core now because of Zach. Like, unless there was, you know, unless you didn't see the subtitles, you wouldn't even know who his name, what his name was, right? Yeah. So, like, you were just playing this game where this blonde-haired guy turns up, he's haunted by this white-haired guy, yeah. he meets this girl who whose story is complete. Like, you know, you learn a lot about Aerith in this game yeah. and she is, like, the most important part of this game. Yeah. But the actual reasons as to why Clown and Sephiroth are, like, these two opposing forces, unless you know anything about the previous game, it remake does not do a very good job explaining that in any way, shape. Yeah, yeah. Aerith seems to know something that's going on at all times. She keeps saying, no, forget about it. No, forget about it. No, forget about it. Yeah, yeah. Aerith seems to be... Cloudy or something. She seems to be like Sephiroth, that she has a power to know what is going to happen or yeah. what will happen or what has happened. Yeah. But she only knows at that moment. That's it. Yeah, like whether she gains the knowledge or something. Yeah. She, she's got to know she's gonna eventually going to die, but we all know that she's not going to die this time. Well, that's the thing is what's really cool about it. And I think when Sephiroth says like seven seconds to the end, Maybe enough time for you. Like, I watched a video where it said the exact amount of time from Sephiroth appearing on the screen to when he stabs Aerith is seven seconds. So I don't know if it's an exact reference to that, but the end oh. that he means, I think, is the is Aerith's end. Yeah. So I don't know. Because I think, you know, when he took when he takes Cloud to the edge of creation. Yeah. I think that's in the future, like after the planet has been destroyed by Meteor and Holy wasn't cast and all that kind of stuff. I actually think, because he goes through some sort of wormhole. It looks like a wormhole. Yeah. Like, I think he's following Sephiroth or Sephiroth's allowing him to follow through the different time or all the parallel universe. It's pretty nuts, which is insane considering yeah. what the original game was. But I loved it. I fucking loved it it's so and i think we can deviate back into the game part now which i want to talk about as well because that's just the story beat but like the last i want to say like six hours which is basically the last two chapters like some of the cutscenes and some of the like moments are just 
fucking amazing like to watch and vi- I, like i'm so happy to live in a time where the production scope of one game is that bombastic and insane mm-hmm. like it's so on another scale but that leads me into some of the issues and why the game has problems <laughs> oh the game definitely does <laughs> so first off we talked a little a little bit about it but man now i can see having finished the game where and why corners of this game were cut. The game, the game, the literal game part, take out the combat and all that kind of, we're talking about the exploring and the RPG nature of it and like the environments you go to. The actual game part of this game is so like secondary to what they wanted to do production wise. Mm. There is so much money and so much time that has gone into whatever happens at the end of that game with Nyon. Tons of cutscenes, all CG rendered, just tons of money. And even at one point, they reuse Advent Children footage and try to pass it off as remake footage. <laughs> but the game part suffers because they put, they cut corners from production. Yeah. You realize during, during the end, the end moments that the, the combat was getting a little rough. Well, uh, yeah. And actually, that is another thing. So, just to talk about the the game, the cut corners part for a second, it is like a PS2 game in certain areas. Mm. Like I, I don't want to use that as an exaggeration, but it's true. Like the linear corridors you walk between to go to each sector, where it's just rubble yeah. and gray brick and nothing, is literally it's just not good. Yeah, and. The PNG backgrounds of yes, Midgar, yes, like when the, dude. the plate and stuff. I was just about not... to mention that, man. When you're on top, when you're on top of, uh, yeah, yeah you're just when looking at it like, falls, what is what uh, is this? What is going on? Yeah, considering how good the production at the end of the game is, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, the end of the game is spectacular. If you don't care about playing the game or whatever, just watch it on YouTube. Just watch the endings because there's so much good. There's so much good in the end. And you can see, but why the, it's such a juxtaposition between why am I looking at a painted texture? I took a screenshot of it just because there was one moment where it, it literally looked like Cloud was just standing in front of a painting. Yeah. Because there was no depth perception yeah. at all because it was so low res. And I, I'm just wondering what the hell is going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't. Like they need to slap things on there. Yeah. But if we, uh, okay, so deviating from that part of like the gameplay part, which is the linearity, which is linear, being linear is not a problem. But when your linearity just makes you skip between the same like three or four areas that are not that big, environmentally are very disinteresting, it's kind of a bit shitty. Yeah. And whilst I love the ending, the final two chapters of the game, chapter 17 and 18, from the moment you like go to save Aerith, it is a slog. Mm-hmm. It is an absolute slog. From boss fight to boss fight to boss the fight. Same damn robot over and over again. I talked to I talked with a friend of the show, Barry, about this on Discord today because we had to like get all our feelings out about the game. The fight with the elevator robot with Barrett and Aerith yeah. is literally my least favorite boss fight. In like recent memory, like of any game I've played. I hid behind the pillar and kept shooting him. That's what I did. But it takes like 40 minutes. (laughs) So bad. It didn't take me 40 minutes, but yeah, it it definitely was like the tedious. 
You just hid. It's tedious. Just hid, shot, hid, shot. That's what I said. Like the combat got worse. And when you're saying, man, I love the combat, I was like, dude, let me See, finish the game I, first because I, the combat yeah, gets kind of shit. Is, I actually, whilst I agree with you, it depends on the fight. Like anytime I was playing with Tifa or Cloud, and even Barrett at times, but Barrett was supported by not Aerith. Yeah. I was having a blast, even to the end. The fight with Rufus, I love that fight, even though it's quite tough. The end fight with like the Harbingers, the Har- the Harbingers, the Harbingen, Harbingers, Harbingers. This is Mass Effect. Yeah. The 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 Whispers of Fate or whatever, and then the fight with Sephiroth, which I adored. It's my favorite fight in the game. Is great because you get to use all of the skills you've acquired, and especially as Cloud and Tifa, where you can do pretty much insane combos, and you can really min max your materia and and linked and all that kind of stuff i really i still love the combat but times there are some fights man just that that robot elevator fight with Aerith and barrett is terrible the fight the bike sequence out of midgar i know it's iconic but it goes on for like 20 minutes too long that fight is terrible i don't know how you felt about that man the fighting went downhill for me i'm not gonna lie like especially i couldn't parry i couldn't just like certain things you don't you can't do because all in all a lot of people are gonna be playing this on classic and they built it that way mm. it's like classic and action and it's just you, sometimes you just get hit sometimes like there's no going around it at least from when i was playing yeah. maybe i'm missing something you know which but it's just like it, it just seems like sometimes it's just hard for no reason no fault yes, to yourself it is like artificially difficult yeah and one of the things that leads into that that is there are literally two other things i want to say that stick in my brain one and they're both related to the combat one is i don't like that the only way to charge the atb bar is through direct melee combat or standard attacks only yeah Yes, you can have your haste material and all that before anybody screams at me you can use material but you need to use literal atb bars to use those spells yeah but the only way you can charge for the most part unless it's literally tediously slow and you get battered because you take damage even if you're blocking as matt said like chip damage yeah is to attack so the game always forces you to be on the offensive right there is no smart way that the game rewards you for doing something different so when you're playing fights where you're like barrett and Aerith, which are literally like ranged characters who don't have that much like standard power it takes so long yeah. to charge the age, especially Aerith. it takes so long <laughs> so some fights like the ghost fight with the like chariot and the robot fight are just like tedious to all hell yeah like because it takes so long and it just becomes a, a like a, a, a battle of like endurance like all you have to do is keep using your max potions and then hoping you can have a cure because you've charged your ATB bar. Yeah. You're never dealing any output. Like, your damage is not good. And it, it's weird that there isn't another option. Like, it would be so easy if you were, like, controlling Aerith to try and get into a position near Cloud where, like, it does, like, you know how the Limit Break has, like, a small little cutscene in the combat? Yeah. Like, a small moment where, like, Aerith touches Cloud's sh- shoulder or something and they have, like, a support boost. And like both of them charge their MP because like getting to your party members, considering how big the spaces are and how much damage you have, 
it's quite difficult. Yeah. So if you're rewarded for like positioning or you're or you're like uh trying to defend people by getting in front of them and using certain abilities and but you were rewarded for doing more defensive play, that would be great too, but the game doesn't do that. So like in moments when you have low HP and like maybe you have two party members down, all you can do is block. But you take chip damage anyway, so you're eventually going to die. You, you run so you around. you have to go and attack. You run around and wait for your ATB to, to charge. You're doing yeah. little pop and shots. it's so boring. It's so boring. It's so slow. And yeah. It's so slow. It's not why I play an action really game It's really frustrating. Because at the that end of the day, it's the not an action game. Like, it's almost... And that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, the game so badly wants you to be because it forces you to do melee combat all the time to charge your ADB. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, ad, I'm like I, I kind of think of it as like advantageous combat, right? You're doing an melee attack and you're doing your damage. And then you have this brief moment where you can pause the game and your enemies can't do that, right? You pause the game and then you can do something like a debuff or a buff and you can take advantage. And that's great. And I love the combat for that. But the fact that it's very like one note, very direct, like all you can do is melee. Or, you know, you can get haste material and stuff. So if you get one ATB, then you can bar Like, on Barrett, I had haste. You can use that, and you can give it a cloud, and you can have it for a long time. But that still doesn't, like, fix the problem. It's only, like, a bandage on top. Yeah. The last thing that I want to just talk about before, I want, like, just to end it with a positive, because I did I did really love this game yeah. to in total. Like, yeah. Like, whatever weird reason. And it's mostly due to the characters and the writing that in the first episode we started talking about this, we shat on because it was in the beginning, it's still bad. Yeah. But when you get in there, ooh. But man, like to like as long as the game goes on, you just love the characters more and more. And and I don't it's not necessarily nostalgia because they're so well written and they work so well together. And Barrett, for all we talked about Barrett and for all the stereotype problems in the beginning. Barrett by the end is like a genuinely brilliant character and like he's lovable and, and Marlene is great. But just to end on the combat like thing, considering the combat is like one of my favorite things in recent memory for a video game, but also it has just these these tiny things that if they did imp like if they improved it in the future, it could be quite amazing. Summons in this game are literally pointless. They are, and there's only two, and there's, and that goes for all the abilities and everything. It well, there, almost seems couple, like you're playing this one. It's because everything is gone. Two summons. Well, there is a couple, but you can only get them through the VR missions or, or, or like side. Yeah, I got stuff. those. You don't. Yeah. You don't get them through plot. Yeah. Apart from E for it, that's it. I mean, they're not pointless. Like they, I definitely use them for sure. For sure. But you, do you? Do you? So this is the thing I wanted to ask you because to me, it never felt like their damage output was any better than what your party could do. Uh, no, it was consistent damage. And if, if they're weak to that element, um, it would, uh, it would break them easily. So you constantly but as the game goes on. There are less and less enemies that have weaknesses. Like there are so many, like, I don't even know why they added assess to this game because literally Every time you assess an enemy in the latter half of the game, it just doesn't tell you anything. Yeah, <laughs> and you never fight those enemies again. Yeah, I, it it would um it would constantly put pressure, and I'll just spam all their abilities on top of each other. Boom, 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 and it's thousands of damage. Like, and I never, I never felt that. I, I just yeah. Like I would use Efri a lot because that's what, who I had on Cloud, and Efri won. 
his design is cool, but he's tiny. Yeah, he's tiny, yeah. He's tiny. He's just... It's not as epic as, you know, the old school when they come out. and. So this, so this is the thing, right? I don't know if it's me or if I'm thinking of just, like, a, a nostalgic-based idea of summons. But to me, summons are like deus ex machina, right? Mm. They are like, you're, you're down on your luck, and then you use this last Hail Mary of, like, a, apocalyptic in scale to destroy your enemies, right? Like... The summons come out and they're like these unkillable gods. And Free's the only one who does it. And maybe Shiva, Shiva is pretty good. But like all the other ones, the chocobo ones, they all suck. They all suck. Yeah. And I, I went and I looked back at like. Fi- this is supposed to be a positive note. It's not a positive. Well, this is the thing because like, I know you don't like Final Fantasy 15, right? Yeah, no. But like if you think of the summons in that game, and I think this is more a spectacle thing, but also considering the gameplay style, right? They are random, and I don't think the player gets rewarded with the summons in Remake or in 15 very well. Like, you just randomly... Because in in Remake, you literally don't get to decide when summons arrive. You have to, one, be in a fight long enough. It's like, is fight long enough times X? Okay, summon now. And you have to wait for the bar to recharge. But, like, in 15 and, and Remake you uh, you know you sort of arbitrarily last a long time and then you get given it but in 15 once they arrived it was like literally like earth shattering insanity mm. like ramu all i remember from 15 is being so in awe of ramu's like animation like this giant earth-sized god that picks up noctis and then shucks and sets a blaze to like the entire ground, killing all enemies in the area. Yeah. And then I look at like Ifri or Shifa in remake, and they're just like a bit bigger than Cloud. Like literally Ifrit is the same size as the mechs you fight, like with the like lightsabers. Yeah. Or smaller. And I'm like, oh <laughs> there's there's something like lost, I think. And I, I felt a bit like, you know, as somebody who is definitely a sucker for spectacle and as we all know, hype and stuff. I don't know. I just kind of, I felt like they were pointless. I would use them, but they were not something I was actively, they felt more like just another option in my menu rather than something I I agree with to, that. If you understand what yeah, I mean. Yeah, I agree they with that. They weren't like that, that like turbo button where I knew if I lasted in this fight long enough or if I, I just kept alive and fighting. I would get rewarded with this god who would then destroy my enemies for me. Yeah. They just felt like, oh, a pet that arrived and did damage for me. Kind of like how Rufus's dog does it for him. (laughs) It's kind of just how it felt for me. So final thing I want to say then is for all of these things, because I think it's important to talk about the things we don't like just as much as the things we love, especially with video games, because we can see how we can improve them. This is one of my favorite games I've played in a long time. Same. Same. It's it's bad and good, but I really enjoyed that game. And I and it, like like I said last time, it's rare that I say, wow, that game was worth sixty dollars. Yeah. I, I I don't even question my purchase at all. No, absolutely. And I went back and rewatched my favorite scenes on YouTube like three times today. Because there are just so many moments in that game that are heartfelt, touching, well-written, just give you good memories. 
and I am so excited mm. for whatever comes next. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's better though. <laughs> Hopefully, it's better. I, I can't I get hope the same so. thing. I actually, don't want the same thing. I want something better. So this is the thing, right? Like just before we bring George back in, Matt, where do you think they're gonna go? Uh, because this opens up the world, right? So they have two ways because they they either might continue with the story and having the lines still there, but the whispers are gonna be gone. And they might mention it. It'll just be a little bit more looser with a story. But I think they might just go off the rails entirely after this now. And then still piece in stories like, you know, what happened to Cloud's hometown and stuff like that. Stuff that mm, actually, mm. you know, matters. They might do their own thing. Because to be honest, like I said last time, like this one was the best part of Final Fantasy VII. The rest of it wasn't as good as this one. Yeah. So this was technically disc one, you know? Yeah. Except that it was missing the hometown stuff. Yeah. So which is which is which is dumb. They should not have seen I'm still on that. But yeah. I think they might go off the rails and maybe do something new and make it fresh and exciting, but still keep some of the stuff that happened. You know. Yes. So I think what they're gonna do is they're probably gonna follow the same line, you know. Golden Sorcerer, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, follow the same line. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna inevitably introduce like Vincent and Sid and Yuffie and Kate Sith and well, you saw Kate Sith once, right? And obviously, you see Reeve a lot in the game. Yeah, but and you're gonna go on that same thing, right? But obviously, considering how constrained the game is now, because you can tell with the production values, right? It's not going to be a bombastic over, overworld or anything like The Witcher or like this open massive space. I think you're going to like meet Sid and then you're going to like hop between different places in Gaia like and then go to these mini vignettes almost. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you do the sectors, like you'll fly to a new place and it will be kind of maybe as big as the sectors are and then you'll explore and do a lot of stuff there. I don't I don't want the same system. I don't want the, I don't want the side quest thing where no. you have to do all the side quests and I don't want that again. Throw it out. It's garbage. Every side it's quest. It's trash, man. They are so bad. They are the worst part of this game. They're pointless. Like you can avoid them. You can't go back to them. Like just fuck it. Don't even bother. Yeah, don't force me to do something. That's the whole point of open world. Chasing cats? No. Don't want to do it. Finding children, I hate even if that it gives stuff, you the time man. material, don't want to do it. Just <laughs> doing that in borderlands and i was just like why do i have to do this just don't want to do it like if you're gonna give me an open world rpg do not give me those shitty side quests please do yeah not just do make that. it linear i'm okay with linear i'm okay with that too just make the environments a bit more interesting and little and little dungeons here and there that don't need story you know do a do a, a fallout 4 you know <laughs> fight first and ask questions later i mean do you remember the dungeons in like final fantasy 15 for as maybe like so so you were on that game but the kind of like underground tombs you would go into and stuff like that you can totally do stuff like that i can't remember yeah yeah but george boy george george let's get to it yeah let's second. bring him back in you know he talked about ancestors for so long i get my turn <laughs> Hey, hey guys, welcome to an hour and 30 minutes into the podcast when we usually do... And now the break. <laughs> Beyond the edge of reality lies a story of ultimate conquest, a story of war and friendship, 
a story of a love that can never be and a hatred that always was. And now, the most anticipated epic adventure of the year will never come to a theater near you. Final Fantasy VII. Excuse me, as I was saying, <laughs> this, is, this is the part of the podcast where we... Sometimes they're transitioning over to listener questions, and we got like we a, should a, talk about the news story. Oh come on, we have one big news story that might be kind of bitter. We also have one fun. I think both of them are fun. Are we gonna have to like quickly, quickly glaze over the the rock band N word fiasco? Yeah, of Lizzle's course. Like, juice. It... Give me Lizzo's juice. Rock band removes Lizzo's oh juice. Oh my god. <laughs> Lizzo's juice for making players sing the N-word. Uh yeah, what do you guys I didn't know Rock Band was still getting DLC. <laughs> I, I kind of forgot they had a karaoke mode. And yeah, Rock Band 4 came out five years ago, and they're still putting out DLC, and someone forgot to check the lyrics of this song and uploaded it with the N-word uncensored. Two days later. Uh, Rock Band takes it down and starts working on a um, censored version that anyone who bought the DLC is gonna get. Wait, okay, okay, all right. Like, let's let's back up a little bit. You're saying <laughs> that Rock Band created a DLC for Lizzo's Juice? Yeah, yeah. They added Lizzo's Juice to the. They the game added program. it, right? They had to program this into the game, right? They added it. This is not some user-made thing, right? Just want to get that straight. Right, right. This was an officially licensed Rock Band uh, product and experience. Then two days later, they pulled it. Yeah, yeah. It took them two days to to uh, realize what it out. that people might not want to sing the n-word to get a perfect score in the rock band dlc for lizzo's juice i'm sure that even you can understand why this would be an issue in today's political e economy culture climate let's first let's not act like white people don't say nigga in the car okay when they're when they're when they're listening to music let's let's i never have though i don't even understand why that's a thing <laughs> well let's let's not live in that little perfect world <laughs> you know and it's not like they're saying it racist they're just following a song and it it probably sounds it feels good for a white person to say not the, the songs i listen right? to <laughs> With the A, not with the hard R. Yeah, I've I've um, had some friends who are a little more liberal with their their karaoke singing than than I tend to be. <laughs> I bet. I yeah, you bet. know, I don't I don't know what it is about me, but for some reason, I don't know what it is. I just don't hear those songs or feel the temptation <laughs> or the pressure or find myself in situations where I I I might have to. You know how there's like all these kids who will grow up saying it when they get annoyed at bad guys in video games, you know, yeah. like PewDiePie. Yeah. I never how that habit like I never had that habit, which means that habit is like created. It doesn't just come naturally as as a growing boy in the world. Hey, Liam, welcome back. <laughs> you announced I had gone. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, sorry. I just was wondering, what do you do? Oh my God, have you ever had any Japanese friends? Like, like, what do you do when when you gotta say or or someone picked a karaoke song? Like, yeah, like Snoop Dogg, Gin and Juice. Yeah, they are pressured. <laughs> so this this comes up. Quite okay. Frequently. Wow. Actually, hmm. it's funny because I actually really like the juice 
it was fun. Cool. Like in 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 text, the lyric looks a little harsh, but after listening to it, it's like a fun, catchy. Yeah, Lizzo's great. So I have sang this song. <laughs> I'm sure uh-huh. you have, Liam. Uh huh. <laughs> and I am someone who, just being awkwardly British, could never say the N word out of just <laughs> sheer awkwardness, even if I wanted to. But it is interesting because being with American white people, they will say it. And Japanese people, I don't, can't remember if they would or they have done. I don't. Would they even know? Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, it's, a, it's not just a, a, a swear or like a, a derogatory thing. It's like a cultural thing, right? That has ingrained through like rap and stuff like and, that. And in right? American schools, reading Uncle Tom's Cabin in the fifth grade, like really... That that's why because of that history we are that's why we are a lot more sensitive than than others. It is weird. Like you'll go to karaoke with like a big group of people, maybe people you don't know, and then you'll sing a song like this, or it'll be like some form of a rap song or like Kendrick Lamar or something, and it becomes awkward because you'll have the people who will like happily just sing it, and you're like, what? <laughs> just so at least nervously it. giggle or something. No, not even that. Just just as soon as it comes up, just just like 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 you would like you were being censored for swearing on the radio. Just don't fucking do it. So what you're saying is that if I would have moved over to Japan like you've been trying to get me to do, I couldn't go to karaoke with you, Liam. Is that is that what you're saying? No, I couldn't go to karaoke no, because course, everybody, all the white girls would be like, Oh man, I can't say nigger. <laughs> God dang. The song is just not as good unless I can say the N word. <laughs> I can't say it, and I would, I because I don't want to say it. It feels just wrong, right? And like even being in a space like one of those spaces where y- you could be free to say it because nobody would <laughs> criticize you. It's just wrong. <laughs> don't do it. Man. I don't. I don't even know where I really stand on it. It's just because it, it all depends on the person, man. I don't know. Like I. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know where I stand. Can you even imagine me saying No, it? I can't. I can't. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I don't even want to imagine. You'll be like... And, and. I, think the, I think it's like the same thing, right? It's like the connotation of everything. It's like old Japanese men in Japan calling me a gaijin. They mean it like in a vitrolic, I don't really? like you kind of way. Yeah, of course. Like you... Like in Japan, it's like common. You you don't say gaijin, right? You can say it in a playful way, like black people <laughs> say the n word, right? In rap music and that kind of thing, right? It's not playful, but it's more accepted because it means something different, right? Whereas I don't know, man. An old person in Japan, I don't think gaijin's the same, dude. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not saying it is the same. That's why I'm trying to go with it. Like I'm not saying it's the same at all. This is the kind. This is exactly the thing I'm saying. Let me set the record straight and fucking twist my words. It is not the same, right? I think what I'm trying to say is the connotation is vitriolic nature, like what Matt said. It depends on who it comes from, right? Like a white police officer in America saying it has way more ramifications than. Somebody who is singing Lizzo at karaoke, for example, and it's still wrong. uh, I feel I feel sorry for all like the white historical reenactors at the plantation museums, (laughs) who like sometimes for their job had, or at least when I was a kid, for their job like sometimes had to say it. Oh, oof. 
Oof. Yeah, did they ever... Like, they're the people you feel sorry for. You ever go on those field trips, Matt? <laughs> did, nope. Did your school do that? Cause, nope. Because we had black children at our school, that's why. <laughs> I think you my don't... school made us do it because we were the, like, wealthy white school in the Atlanta suburbs. Like, of they course. wanted these kids to make sure they knew. Of course. I, I'm sure that a lot of them grew up not knowing, but but I remember my primary school education was like all MLK and slavery from from third and fourth grade. <laughs> it does make me laugh that there's probably an alternate timeline of George who became like an Eminem white rapper who does <laughs> it and is in a group like with other black rappers. <laughs> I wonder how different my life would have had to go for me to be the guy playing Players Unknown Battlegrounds, shooting at someone on the bridge. I honestly think not that different. <laughs> there was just a moment where you looked at some video game and went that way instead of going well, the other way. I think you were in the bathroom when I was telling Matt, like, I never got into that habit. I've seen so many kids who have that habit, but, like, where does it start? Like, if I grew up never having friends who do that or or feeling the temptation or yeah me either yeah like i think it's a newer thing than what what we experience i mean even even more so from the U from a uk standpoint because in the uk it's just not a thing right there are other horrible words we use or, or like british people use as derogatory words for ethnic groups that are popular in the uk obviously we have a lot of you know indians and pakistanis right so that is like almost the equivalent of what is in the UK, whereas the N-word specifically is oh, really... Oh, yeah, you got the history of the empire there. Yeah, so that's... I don't know where N-word could come from in the UK for sure, but like I can understand why it is the way it is in America if I think of certain other words in the UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All not good. Don't fucking do it. Don't sing a song and say it. You don't need to. Jesus. All your friends are listening to this like, man, I don't know if we can invite, yeah, invite Liam anymore. <laughs> no, just don't invite. Actually, that has happened three times where we don't invite people because... Oh, really? Okay. Wow. Ah. Yeah, of course. It's just like it, one immediately ruins everything because like every a lot of people are just like, did they really just say that? Come on. And then you're like, oh, this sucks. People like to be edgy, you know? They don't want to conform to society. <laughs> they get, they get, what is it? What is it? Street streamer rage? Gamer, gamer rage? And they have heated a, heat, gamer a heated moment. moment. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's when it a, happened. A heated gamer moment. A heated karaoke moment. So, <laughs> moving on from that. Heated gamer moments. <laughs> Thankfully, we have only 10 to 15 minutes to argue about The Last of Us 2 leaks. There's nothing to argue. What do you mean? What? Hold on. Okay. Yeah, explain it. Because I don't understand what the argument is. Uh, okay. The argument involves whether or not the leaker behind these cutscenes showing up on YouTube the other day was doing it for a righteous cause or not. Whether or not the damage no. is worth the deed. And if this will, like, scare bosses into fixing crunch culture or incentivize bosses into, like, making communications and privacy policies even worse and thus hurting the cause more so than helping it. Well, is this about the content of the 
of the leak because I don't want to know what's in it. No, because I don't care about no, the content no, of the leak. No. I guess that's like something I need to be clarifying here. Like I don't, me and Liam are definitely going to be disagreeing on a lot here. And one thing that I do have a hard time understanding that maybe he can clarify some stuff on for me is why so many game developers feel like a devastating heartbreak at like what is not really clear characterized as is a personal indie sentimental project like this is a a gazillion dollar triple a sequel that i doubt many people really felt was necessary for in the first place it just seems like during a time of of pandemic where where toilet paper is a precious resource it seems no 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 a little petty to value the spoilers over the workers' rights struggle. Okay, so exp- no, explain, explain why. First of all, explain what the news story is for people who don't know, and then explain why you think somebody could be a hero. And it's not confirmed. I don't think that. I think actually, there's a lot of weird misrepresentation going on with how people are covering this. There's a lot of rumors going around. So, okay, what ended up happening in the first place is that a shitload of Last of Us 2 cutscenes appeared on YouTube anonymously in different languages with different subtitles from a dev build of the game on April 27th. Damn. Uh, including the ending. Including the ending. Wow. Which I did watch because oh I took the wow. Last of Us 2. No, this, this, is, this is out of personal interest because I don't like The Last of Us. So I was Holy interested crap. to see what the direction was. Afterwards, Naughty Dog immediately started claiming the videos and trying to get them off. They issued a, a, a statement of disappointment and then announced a release date for about a month from now after having indefinitely delayed the game after the coronavirus. Okay. That's what happened. Factually confirmed. No opinion added. Just this week. Now, there are two different sides of what is the talk around what is Two different right? sides is, and the history. It's a bigger story than just that that happened this So week. one is what the leak is, and then the other is what the content of the actual video game is, which is something we don't really need to discuss now because the game hasn't come out. Please don't. I have seen some of those cutscenes. Please don't. I'm not going to say anything. Don't worry. I'm not going to say a single thing, which is why I don't. I, I, I actually like The Last of Us. I'm going to play it. So. Which is why I don't think we should talk about anything related to what the content of the video game is. Yeah. Okay. Because that's also less what I'm interested in than the whole like economic workers rights at protest, protest, civil disobedience, fight the power. That's what I'm about. I, I, I don't give much of a damn about the story. Let's talk about that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about okay, that. Yeah. Let's not talk about the content of what is in the video game, which is the confirmed part of George's outline, because that could could lead into spoilers in some way. But let's just talk about what the 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 leak and the story. So, what is the story of the of the leak? Not the yeah. Game. I mean, I just <laughs> okay. The rumor is that somebody who worked at Naughty mm-hmm, Dog, mm-hmm. who had a disagreement about promise payment, Ooh. was disgruntled and leaked. The game. Damn. And this is not confirmed, and there was no signature on the material, and no, like, this is a rumor. No anonymous group has claimed a responsibility. The one thing I think that is important is everybody at Naughty Dog is working from home. So if anybody who works in game dev who listens to the show, you know as much as I do if you work for a AAA studio that security when you work at a studio like that is massively tight. But when you work from home, there's nothing to stop you from doing whatever you want. So, so there, there, this this thing could have quite easily have happened. The speculation, 
and I think we should clarify that it's speculation. You'll notice right now, we're recording this on like Tuesday the 28th, the official gaming news websites, the big ones like Kotaku and Polygon, will not go with this angle. They won't talk about a disgruntled employee doing it for the cause of workers' rights because that's not confirmed. If you watch Inside Gaming Daily or one of the lesser known, more casual news sites, they will, like, get into this rumor aspect of the story. Oh, or the Dad and Sons podcast. They will get into the rumor <laughs> side aspect of the story. It does... It's basically an association with a lot of negative Reputed press outlet. that Naughty Dog has been getting for the past year. And the the general, like, distaste for, for evil... I don't want to say rich people, because they're really not, but the bosses at the video game studios who are probably having an easier time than most of us right now, considering the bullshit we all got to put up with together. Mm. But anyways, of course, that's a, a summary of sexual harassment allegations coming out against Neil Druckmann in 2017. Um, one of the co-founders leaving in 2018, citing stress and uh, bitterness developing between them. Uh, Amy Hennig leaving along with them. And... Then some stories of withheld payments coming out in 2020 from other employees who were leaving as well. Uh, one of them, Jonathan Cooper, specifies that they threatened to withhold his final paycheck until he signed additional paperwork stating I wouldn't share their production practices. Wonder why they want to keep that secret. They finally relented when I assured them that that was most likely illegal. And then a shitload of stories from the past couple months about them being like one of the worst defenders in the industry for crunch time right now as they were working on finishing this game up. And so the fact that this dropped during the time that it did, shortly after Jonathan Cooper came out with his story of withheld payment, is how this association with a disgruntled employee who wasn't getting paid being responsible for the leak started coming up, even though it's never been confirmed or really like deduced. It could have just been an asshole. And that's what I think pokes a hole in the whole story that makes me not want to comment on it publicly too hard. Like, if people find out later on... An asshole with the ability to get that footage. I would have preferred a message. I really would have preferred a message getting added to this material or something. I, I don't know. This is easy from my point of view. You can criticize Naughty Dog's practices. I have talked on this show numerous occasions about how bad crunch is and how terrible work culture could have been at rockstar and naughty dog is a reflection of the same as that and i actually know jonathan cooper and bruce Fraley personally which is interesting considering this story no i know i know i didn't want it to come off like that I, it just adds more weight to discussions about this thing that we're talking about for goodness sakes you can on one side of the coin criticize naughty dog as much as possible but what is completely separate from that is somebody leaking what you have worked on for four, five years, insane mm. hours, a game that's not finished yet, everything you have worked towards, whether you're in QA, whether you're assistant producer, whether you're the director and you're Neil Druckmann, something you've worked on for five years, somebody has leaked, not in its full completion, on the internet, not only the story outline, but cutscenes and the map and the game ending. This is not the way you hmm. do it. Hmm. it. You are ruining so many so things. Why? Not only, not not why only, is that not the way? Hang on. If you can even try to justify, like that, this is the uh, 
Two wrongs do not make a right. And this is such a wrong. You are not only one ruining it for players who are looking forward to it, like Matt, who now have to avoid spoilers. Yeah, I got to block it on Twitter now. From a consumer standpoint, till July, which is two months from now. So you've already, from a consumer standpoint, jeopardized the waters a little bit. But from a colleague standpoint, you have completely ruined the trust. Basically, we're talking about if this is a person from the inside. Mm. You are ruining for your colleagues so many different things that I can't even begin to like list off. One is the trust, the security, the privileges of the employees who work at the studios who will now no longer be able to do certain things because the company will be fearing the security. Whether that's using your phone near your desk, whether that's using the internet, whether that's being allowed to work on the game during certain hours of the day where the windows can be open. Like, I'm not even joking about the levels that these studios will go to to protect the games, right? And somebody has ruined what could have been quite free, like freedom of working from home for a lot of employees. That's one thing. But the other thing is, if this reflects on the sales of the game, considering now a lot of people know the ending who might now not want to buy it, that can lead to financial issues regards to bonuses and any like royalty payments in the future for actors or voice actors who've worked on the game. There are so many repercussions. This is not the way you do it. There is no justification for this. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Having like toiled away on GTA 5, if somebody had leaked 5, and it's not a story heavy as Naughty Dog, but if somebody had been playing the game and spoiled everything on YouTube or Reddit, like two months before the game came out, I would have been so angry, even as just QA. Like, you are so excited. Release is your time. Like, you've spent four to five years toiling over something, whether you have a bad time or not. I had a bad time at Rockstar. But if somebody had ruined it, somebody who maybe I worked with, I would be nigh on so angry. It, there are so many repercussions to this that I just think people who haven't worked at a studio just don't understand. I don't understand. Because I don't know how you can justify it, like, at all. Like, I just... Having been in this person's shoes, being disgruntled, and also wanting to get back at the company, and also being unhappy, this is not the way you do so, it. So George is more of a uh, uh, hardcore, radical, I'm going to get you back type dude. I'm I'm concerned about the material consequences and which parties are going to be affected and the greater context of why all the secrecy and security is considered so valuable by bosses and not consumers. Big, famous examples of games getting leaked like Half-Life 2 and Fallout 4 still sell extremely well. I don't think there has been a case of a big... So you've already done it. You've already said why this is a bad thing. Because the only people who get affected by this is all the creative people who made the game. All the financial people who run the studios will not be affected by it. So why do they... Because it will still Why do they care so much about the secrecy and the security then? If We all know that The Last of Us 2 is gonna sell gazillions, no matter... Why, why, do, you, why do you care about like, like anything that you create? Like, why do you... Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you do it just to eat that night. But there is, there is, you're not looking at the reality of how big these fan bases are, right? Like, 
Neil Druckmann must get, and it, it's obvious that there are weird and not great things about the management at Naughty Dog, right? But he gets nigh on thousands of questions a day about what's going on in The Last of Us 2, what's happening with this and this and this. And if he was sharing information about the game or anything, that still wouldn't change. But what you would get while you're developing games is constant questions like, why are you doing this? You should do this instead. Oh, I looked at this picture of Ellie. Oh, she's got like, her. she looks ugly. You should change this. So you should do this. So you should do this. And it's like the same as anything, right? You're constantly just having people tell you what to do. People who don't like things while you're trying to make it. Like, I understand from a creative standpoint why you would hide things and why you wouldn't show things until you're ready. Big studios go to big lengths, maybe from a financial standpoint of protecting their assets so it keeps their stock going. That's probably one of the things that definitely leads to Rockstar's terrible practices. If that's seriously the reason behind it, then that's kind of bullshit. But this is spoiling an entire game. So? Like, something that isn't even out. It's also... A toy, like it's not a life or death situation, but people's jobs are. Oh man, it's four years of somebody's hard work. I do, I can't. No, I disagree entirely. Having been in this situation, you have not been in. This I will situation. admit, I haven't. I don't know what it's like to have four years. And you haven't suffered from these practices. Four years of work spoiled. Okay, so no, 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 I, no but you haven't been the disgruntled employee either. I've been a disgruntled employee sometimes, but not in the game industry. No, but I have okay. been both in this situation right now, and I feel like this is just absolutely not the way. You have ru- this person has ruined it for a <laughs> lot of people. I want to point out what looks to me like a lot of contradictions to that mentality. One of which is the idea that the size of Naughty Dog's fan base is, is going to be seriously impacted by this thing. Because the statistics of people who complete games is very, very small. And the amount of the fan base that com- will actually compare care about these spoilers and look at the ending is it's something it can't be more than 10 percent. it can't possibly be larger than 10 percent. this is a v- i honestly i honestly wish we just talked about like other industries like like the youtube algorithm or something that affects you on a personal level for you to understand how great an impact this kind I don't of think thing there is you're you are like i'm not being funny but you are a consumer in right. this and Matt is too. But from this standpoint, you don't really care about The Last of Us. But Matt does, right? So Matt is going to have the problem now. And, and I cared about Half-Life Alex. I don't find it difficult to avoid spoilers either. That's another contradiction to this whole process. But like, this I've is had... you just talking about your own thing. Matt has to like a, completely avoid one of the biggest stories on the internet. Because one wrong... T- like three people I noticed yesterday. One person who tweeted at me said they got spoiled by it. Because they were just browsing Twitter. The game is not even out. All right, but I'm I'm a little confused on what what you guys are arguing about. So because like okay, some guy didn't get paid, so he leaked it off. He leaked it. That was his choice. He did it. Like what's the? I don't understand what the the argument is between like why he shouldn't have leaked it. He's leaking it because um he's leaking it so there can be like a a, a an eyeball, some eyeballs on Naughty Dog. I I feel like that's the thing, right? If it only affects 10%, then do the bosses really care? Like No, they don't. So that's what I'm saying. You guys are like, it's like in a circle. You guys are talking about in a no, circle. No, no. So, I don't... so this, is, this is what I'm trying to say to George. Like, I'm trying to say, this doesn't affect anybody you're trying to get back at. Yeah, okay. What are the material consequences then for, for the various parties involved? Because it... as you know, with any company, the little guy is the only person who gets damaged, right? And if there is any financial hit, 
the company will save itself and they will sacrifice the bonuses of the employees. Like, huh. I'm not joking. Actually, like, that sounds like happened. a great impetus for, for making a demand within the union then. Don't fire us if there are leaks. But then, like, you're talking about drug... Don't give the little guy the fall for all these stupid problems that are just kind of inevitable in the internet age. We're going through one of the biggest pandemics in the world. People are lucky to have their jobs, right? Yeah. And now you're talking about, like, people leaving their jobs because they're unhappy. That's not how it works. That's not how reality is. It's how it's been working since the holiday season. No one likes working at Naughty Dog right now. Fair enough. You're right. Cool. Great. You know better. Of course. You've been there. You've done that. You <laughs> oh God, are the you guys are you Oh, are don't the be a right. sarcastic asshole. <laughs> no, it's, but it, it's so hard for me to listen to somebody who has, one, not been the disgruntled employee to a big studio, and two, is also trying to tell me how I'd feel if the game I worked on for four or five years would be spoiled, and how I shouldn't be angry about it. I'm not that. trying to tell you how to feel about that. I, I'm actually trying to... <laughs> you can talk about Naughty Dog in two different ways. They're terrible business practices, oh which is well-documented and terrible, and also the fact that this is not the right way to do things in two separate ways. Well, why not, like, though? I, I want to hear the why. Because the only people you're affecting by leaking the, an entire person's work. No. The whole game is leaked. The, the, you said the only people. Okay, so I can accept that as, in terms of material consequences, not emotions, not how much you emotionally value the years of work that has been leaked, but how much that actually results in how much money you have to eat food to survive with at the end of the day. I think okay, I, I would I would challenge you. I would because obviously, we, Matt, as Matt said, we're just going in circles. I would challenge you to go to any game dev you know, even indie devs, on Twitter. Just search The Last of Us. Have a browser. I would bet you there would be not one person who works in game dev who would agree with you. I have seen like Kevin Wong uh, retweet the. The, the hyper militant leftist eat the rich stuff in terms of the, they're out there like for example i'm looking at them now i'm looking at rami rami's is pretty much the same oh yeah rami's not but um we're seriously going to be scrolling through examples of our, our twitter feeds and that just shows off what a bubble it really can be but that's what an industry is okay let's go back to material consequences oh. how many millions are the bosses going to lose like, like, can you even measure that? I want to know why they value the secrecy of this stuff. Like, I want to know what number they put on it. Why, why are these policies- You're asking a larger question of, of every media. Why is Star Wars completely hidden until released? Why is any movie or game or album or anything that- Isn't it created? to manipulate people into buying it during the hype window where it's at its most expensive? But that's how you sell things, I guess. But indie games is- Yeah, it's real shit. The other thing, right? Unless you're sharing stuff as an indie game creator, you don't make any money because people don't buy things immediately without some sort of knowledge prior. It's a twisted, horrible market and a horrible world in reality. That's the truth, right? But we're not talking about, we're talking about the reality, not some twisted fairyland where it right, right is right and wrong is wrong, right? We're talking about the reality of everybody who yesterday was working at Naughty Dog, who found out 
the game had been spoiled. And what are the material consequences facing them? As I've outlined to you. The the bonuses. Like, blah, blah. like privacy policies, phones. The bonuses. Oh yeah, what's the, this about bonuses? Please tell us why employees get their bonuses taken away if their games are leaked by other people and it's not their fault. I'm very curious to hear more about that because that sounds like a great and actually way more helpful, specific demand that can come from this fiasco and give it a silver lining, because I did not know that was a thing. And if people now know that that's a thing, that's that might be good. It might be good to spread news that that's a thing. That isn't a thing. Performance is a thing. How well a game performs. Oh, is that the the like Metacritic thing that Fallout New Vegas? Of exposed? course. Like how much a game sells or how much a game performs. Dep- that's what your bonus depends on in the games industry. If your game does not do well, you don't get a bonus. For example, and the, and you might say, oh, they'll get a bonus anyway because these games sell millions. Well, Max Payne 3 at Rockstar sold millions but didn't do well enough, so nobody got a bonus. That sounds like a load of shit that people should be mad about. So I'm telling you, this is the material thing you are seeking as to why this is damaging. And this is not just, we're not just talking about money or the emotional investment. We're talking about making the business practices that these people already suffer under uh-huh. worse because it's going to get worse for them. The security at these studios sucks. And now a lot more of them who are like being put in a shitty place by a leak they can't help have a good reason. I don't know. In two years, I actually think this will be a net positive. Like, I think this will give a good kick in the pants to the unionization efforts and give the bosses something to fear and the employees something they can put on the bargaining table. No, it all that will happen is the security at the studio will get worse. Forever? Until the end of time? Is that sustainable long term? Like, honestly, Matt, tell me, even listening to this, Matt, if Naughty Dog came to you and offered you a job working in the community management making videos for Naughty Dog, would you take it? Yeah, I would. Because the name carries weight. The name carries weight, for sure. You get a job at Naughty Dog, you could get a job anywhere else. So it doesn't... Fucking matter how these articles, the reality of the situation is it does not matter. All of these bad articles and all of these bad business practices don't change the fact that Rockstar is a company that people want to go work at. Facebook and Google literally are ruining the world, and yet they're some of the most high paying, most high stress, most valuable jobs in the world that people are competing for every day. The reality is these big studios have people lining up at the door to work at them. So the way you change them is for the people on the inside to change. Not fuck everybody over by leaking your work that people have worked and emotionally invested all of their time into, as we have seen, working around the clock to do get the game finished, and jeopardize their security measures that they have to be put under and also potential bonus issues. There are so many rippling effects that, as I hope I have explained now numerous times, can affect you on it. Like, we're talking about mental stress. Like, at Rockstar, you couldn't even have your phone near your desk for fear of security, and that is stressful. So imagine what would happen if just everyone started leaking everything all the time and they realized they couldn't stop that. That's how a lot of civil disobedience works. But people would lose their jobs and we're talking... 
Oh my you, god. You pack enough black people into the bus, and there's no way they can sit only in the back. <laughs> That's exactly how civil disobedience protests work. You amplify the volume of the rules that you're breaking to the point where it shows how ineffective and stupid the policy in place really is. I see it as civil disobedience. I see it as, as a part of taking to the streets. And that's you know? where we end the podcast. I understand, I understand your best intentions, but the re actual reality that you think is happening, as you have mentioned, it's a toy, not a civil right, for starters. So the rules are a little different. And one, as we have talked about on this show, in regards to the coronavirus, people don't give up their jobs because they need them. So you can't just have everybody collude together to leak the game. Well, one person leaks it, it's already leaked. You can't then leak it for everybody, for starters. Everybody is going, not going to agree to do that to jeopardize their job. What if we start seeing shitloads of AAA games start getting leaked in mass? What actually would be the fallout of that besides the company's devaluing the secrecy and realizing it's not actually that important. Imagine having work, like, around the clock under the shittiest conditions I bet I'd be pissed. I and bet I'd be real pissed at my bosses. Is already, your morale is so low, and then everything you've worked towards, after all of the delays, somebody just leaks everything. Everything you've worked on, everything you've been at, because release for a game developer is literally the most exciting time. It's what you spend years. Is it just the work. euphoria then? Is it all about the dopamine hit of of releasing a game spoiler free on time? That shit barely yeah. even happens nowadays, anyway. You, you know, you guys never agree on stuff, right? Like, oh, like man. so when you guys argue, like you never oh, agree. Man. So what's the point? <laughs> so uh thank you for watching then thank you and Thanks. uh we'll see we'll see if he actually Dude, lasted we've we've <laughs> read the survey responses though and we know that at least some listeners live for this shit <laughs> <laughs> liam is wiping his eyes face is fully in palm <laughs> we are suffering for your entertainment i'm just sitting here Looking up <laughs> Unity tutorials for a 2D RPG. <laughs> That's literally what I'm doing. <laughs>